This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. After wins over Buffalo and Georgia, are the New York Riptide playoff contenders? After a tough home loss, we'll hear some gold from Kurt Miloski. We'll break down week 9 and set you up for week 10, plus give you another round of box bets. All that and more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Loose ball, McLaughlin, breakaway from center. Eli for the hat trick. Scores! Bar Mexico for Liger. It's 3 0. Natty Hattie to open the game for Eli McLaughlin. This looks like a penalty shot. Three for five so far on the man advantage, and Crawford's got it. The assist from Malcolm, goal from Crawford. This is not a tape recording. That is a new audio track right there. The eighth goal for Callum Crawford. History is in the making here tonight in Las Vegas. Championship pedigree can come here to New York. Here's Keo with a chance coming off that breakout game. He's got it in the second quarter. Steven Keogh gets a home goal. One fake, two fake, three fakes more. Steven Keogh has them dancing on the crease. Razor putting the head down, a little swim behind the back. Did he do it? He did. How can that be real from Chase Fraser? What a beautiful goal this was. Here's another one for San Diego, and it starts again. Stotts bounced that shot about 15 feet in front of the net, and it went up over the shoulder of Higgins. Potential backbreaker there for the Seals as they restore the five-goal lead at 12-7. Pass down low, top of the crease. Randy Stotts looking for it. Here's Benes, shoots, he scores! time in the National Lacrosse League in goal scored. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast. Most teams have hit the third pole, one-third of the way through the 23-24 season, and it is starting to get jumbled, not just at the top, but most importantly, in the middle as teams jockey for the position in the unified standings of the National Lacrosse League. He is Pat Gregoire. Find him on Twitter, at pgreggy. I am at Teddy Jenner, the show, at OTCB underscore podcast, or on the Instas, at OTCB podcast. We'll hear from Riley O'Connor of the New York Riptide a little bit later, but Patty, how the hell are you, my man? It's like we, we get on a rhythm, and then we got to take a week off because of scheduling and travel. But man, I, I miss you. What's going on? How's things? I miss you too, buddy. It's it's been busy. It's been good. Uh, quiet week for me this weekend. No games. Not on the call. But a massive, massive slate. So um, doing all my chores during the week so I can sit on the couch and watch a lot of lacrosse. I know you'll be watching a lot of lacrosse this yeah. weekend. But inside the Saddle Dome, I'm excited this is, for you. Uh, man. It was funny. So, as people know, Toronto, or sorry, Calgary has a double home game this weekend, which is incredibly rare in the National Lacrosse League, especially on back to back nights. Uh, but the TSN crew flies in Friday. We've got the game Saturday. 
the all Canada matchup, Rock and Roughnecks. But we get in time to go to the Calgary Toronto game. So I get to sit inside the Loud House and be a part of that madness. And I am thoroughly, thoroughly stoked. Shout out to Laura Barker from the Calgary Roughnecks who hooked us all up with some tickets. So we're going to be sitting inside and join it. We're going to have some Roughneck beers. We're going to have a pocket dog. We're going to have a malt (laughs) ice cream. We are going to get the full experience. But I was thinking about this. How many games do you think you've gone to as just a fan? And yours might be a little bit higher than mine because The Rock have kind of been in your area forever. But how many games do you think you've gone to as just a fan? Oh, God. I mean, family had season tickets to The Rock when they were at the Scotiabank Arena for a few years. so No big deal. Um, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I had a lot of hockey, so could go to every single game. But, uh, I mean, I went to a lot at least – at least three or four a year for maybe three straight years. Um, and then I'd try to make it to, to one or two. Then when I went to school down in Medai in Buffalo, we would try to go to as many bandits games each year. Oh God. I'm, it's gotta be North of 25, 30 maybe. But with that being said, over the last six years, I think it's maybe been two. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and the last one was was last year in Toronto uh, or in Hamilton against Halifax. And it was awesome sitting there and um, being immersed in the like. And, and again, you get a great vantage point, probably the best vantage point when you're up in the booth calling a game. And and it, it is. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't trade it for the world. But to, to every once in a little while, be able to sit with the fans and feel that energy, feel that vibe, um, it's something different. And just as loud as you really think the arena is when you're up there, uh, you really don't feel it until you're mm-hmm. in the seats. So uh, I'm excited for you guys. You'll have a lot of fun. Um, I don't think because, yes, you guys are still uh, members of the media. Uh, can't be doing the little the goal dance. Uh, when Calgary, no, I'm not doing the Vominos, Vominos. <laughs> you, I gotta see, I gotta see Bucky do the Vominos. <laughs> um, I think I've only been to like a handful of games, like five I, games, my entire watching career of, of the NLL. I went to uh, one in Philadelphia when my brother was at the Wings. I went to a couple in Syracuse when he was there. Uh, my dad and I went and watched when he was with the the Washington. Power watched a game um, and maybe one game in Vancouver when I was with the Mammoth and Stephanie and I went over for a game there playing the Warriors. But yeah, this is only gonna be like my sixth game as an actual fan inside That's an awesome. arena. So uh, I'm super stoked. It's gonna be a ton of fun. Um, gonna cut down to my casino time uh, Friday, <laughs> but I'm okay because uh, the crew is gonna have a great time. Speaking of the crew. Uh, Bucky put out a, another great behind-the-scenes video on the NLL on TSN Twitter account and Instagram account of him and Coatsy just kind of running through the end of, of the second quarter and how they kind of get through replays and transitions into the break. And it's just such a cool visual. We'll talk to Riley O'Connor about you know how he likes watching behind-the-scenes things. But to be able to see that and how quickly they go from shot to shot to shot, replay to replay, um, blows my mind. 
it's it's absolutely nuts. And if you haven't had a chance yet, you know, go to at NLL on TSN on on Instagram. I think it might probably be up on on Twitter as well. But uh, you know, you you get a sense of it when you're you're a part of it when you're up in the booth, like because you know you can hear some things going on. But until like again, I, we're a part of it. We are a part of the broadcast. But it still shocks me when I watch back those videos to see the the controlled chaos that goes into that booth. And just next time you keep in mind, especially when you're watching some of the TSN plus games or ESPN plus, and you're complaining about some, some uh, things that are going on, keep in mind uh, these, these things, uh, a lot goes into it. And sometimes when you're dealing with a smarter, a smaller broadcast and maybe not dealing with the best in the biz, like you're seeing in those videos, um, just be patient. Things happen. Te- technology is, is difficult, but uh, you know we're we're lucky. We're blessed working with TSN and working with with those two guys um, and, and girls and and the, everyone that's in the truck. Uh, we got the best of the best, and I think the product on the TV kind of speaks for it. Week nine in the NLL is in the books. Uh, a ton of storylines coming out. I want to start uh, in Halifax because big news out of the Thunderbirds camp. Randy Stotts to the IR. Obviously, you were there calling that game. What did you see? What have you heard? And what is the status of Randy Stotts? So all indications, um, I don't believe it's anything, you know, structural or something that's going to keep him away from, you know, season ending, but obviously enough to, to put him on the IR. It's, I, I think if it was a, you know, kind of a week-to-week type of thing, you maybe see him put on IR closer to um, game time. Right. I think I think that that's the the issue, and um, or at least that's the that's just me forecasting. In terms of what happened, I know there was a lot of chatter online about you know Randy taking off his brace, and then he ended. Up, I was the chatter. You were the chatter, <laughs> um, and and it, and it was a great point. He did take off his brace. Apparently, what it was was discomfort in that uh, leg in his calf and in his his thigh uh, and they were trying to get a, a a sleeve on it to help alleviate some of that um you know what, what they thought was cramping um he battled through it i know he was on the bike um pedaling while yeah. the game's going on just trying to work through it he eventually got back onto the floor in the in, in the second half but we didn't see a lot of him it was a lot of of power play time when he was out there eventually they did shut him down uh, again, I, I wish I had more of an update. I don't, but him going on the IR this early leads me to believe that we could maybe not see Randy for a few weeks uh, and he could be missing a good chunk of, of games here. It sucks for Halifax, obviously, no, like, no duh, it's Randy Stotts, but just the timing of it, they have a very busy February schedule. Mm-hmm. Like they're playing a lot of games in the month of Feb and, and, you know, it felt like they finally took a really positive step forward. Um, I mentioned it on the broadcast, man, that power play without Randy Stotts. And again, they'll have time to practice with, without him because they know um, they don't have him. but he is that heartbeat of that offense. He's the heartbeat of the power play. When, when he's up at the top, you just have to respect him as a shooter because he's shown it. If you don't get to hands, he's going to make you pay. But at the same time, if you press out on him too much, he's got the capability to just go behind the back and 
and set up either a Clark Peterson or a Cody Jamison or a Dawson Theed, whoever's on each side of them uh, to kind of just crank back and unload. So uh, unfortunate for them, just looking at their schedule real quick here, Teddy. So on this, this weekend at the wings the following weekend, they play uh, the desert dogs at home. And then a big one uh, hosting Buffalo on the 16th. Uh, and then they, they play Calgary at Calgary then they're in Saskatchewan against the rush. Uh, that's the 18th and the 24th. So yeah. a really, really busy, busy weekend for them. And in that Buffalo Calgary weekend, it's a Friday, Sunday uh, for them. Yeah, so a little bit of a Sunday unique travel. Yeah. A little bit of a unique travel. I'm, I'm pumped for that Sunday game. That's going to be yeah. awesome. But yeah, a lot of games in February. So uh, unfortunate timing, but luckily for them, uh, Mike Kersey talks about organizational depth and, I think a guy like, uh, you know, Kirst is, is yep. going to get an opportunity to be a full-time guy. Aaron Woods, I believe, was activated. I don't know if he's going to get into the game this weekend, but uh, it's another opportunity. Kirst has been in and out, and uh, whenever he's been in, he's been impressive. It's just been a little bit of a numbers game. Maybe this is an opportunity for him to play a few games in a row and maybe force the hand of Halifax to say, hey, we can't keep this kid out of the yeah. lineup. Uh, one guy they definitely won't be able to keep out of the lineup or shut down at any time soon is Ryan Manesh. He moves into fifth all-time, surpassing Colin Doyle for most goals in NLL history. He's now at 529. Um, the guy's 39 freaking years old. Like, slow down, Benny. You're giving <laughs> us old guys a lot, of, like, too much hope that we can still do things. It's unbelievable. Uh, Pete on the broadcast said he's, you know, aging like fine wine, getting better and better. And at the surface, you're like, okay, I mean, it's he's he's at Hall of Fame career. He's not, I don't know if he's getting better, but I mean, he certainly is adding, you know, I don't want to say adding different dynamics to his game, but like we're seeing him do a little more than maybe what we didn't see at some points in his career. Like he's consistently one of the first guys back um, hustling into the defensive zone, taking away transition, or he's ripping hard to the bench. And I know that was one of the knocks on him later in his career. We're seeing him score from the inside a little more than we, what we're normally doing. It's not just outside shots. Like he's doing all the little things. He's, he's been a menace on loose balls, which again, mm-hmm. he's kind of always done, but you know, even at this age, he's continuing to do all those little things. And I think it's his hunger to win a championship. He, he knows he does not have many years left, despite how well he's playing. Uh, and he desperately wants to win a title. He's done pretty much everything you can think of under the sun. The NLL Cup is the one thing. And I, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Don't get me wrong. He is one of the greatest goal scorers the game has ever seen. Uh, but to be that cherry on the top and, and to put him into the next echelon of greats, a championship ring could go a long way. Teddy, I want to ask you though. Bring it. And I, and I tweeted this uh, a few days ago. So Banesh is currently at 529 career goals, 23 away from surpassing Dan Dawson at 551 for fourth. He has 12 games to go. Can he do it? And can he pass? Dawson this season and twofold. If you say no, 
do you see him coming back next year? Because he did tell the Halifax local media this was it. This was yeah. the last year. But as you and I know, athletes have said they're done and have come back before. Well, let's put it this way. He's averaging three goals a game right now through six. If he's got 12 games left, that's 36 goals. Simple math. I'm going to say, yes, he can do it. And I think it would be an, an incredible accomplishment for Benny if he could do that. Championship or not, I think you're right. He is a Hall of Famer just from what he's done. But the way he's playing right now, like young PJ is what, a year and a half, two years old now. So he, mm-hmm. he's – it's. The dad strength, the initial dad strength might be wearing off a bit, but he's got some re- residual dad strength going on. Oh, yeah. And it's just been incredible. Like watching him and watching Corey Small, these guys that are just, you know, yeah. getting older, but still have this incredible knack just to shoot their shot with such precision and accuracy and deception. It's incredible to watch, man. I absolutely love watching those two guys shoot the ball because it's not always as hard as they can. It's not always a wide open shot. So many times it's through screens or over screens or bouncers off the back foot to the far side. It It's an incredible ability to have and to see what Benny's still doing. Uh, I think it's a no doubter that he can get into fourth. Uh, I don't think he'll be able to get much higher unless he does come back, but yeah, I can see him passing Triple D for fourth and just be like, yeah, okay, I'm good. Uh, I think I've scored enough for my career. Obviously, he would love to end with a championship. And the way this Halifax team is playing, if they can get on a bit of a roll, that win this past weekend was a huge boost for them. Uh, I, I could see them doing some damage. February is going to be a massive month. If they can come out of this with four wins out of six, I think they're going to be in a really good spot. So um, the huge boost for Benny for the T-Birds uh, and, and that whole Banesh family is just uh, living on cloud nine right now. Uh, let's backtrack 24 hours. Eli McLaughlin starts the night off with a natty hattie. Um, just, it was a complete dominant performance by the Colorado Mammoth who maybe get their best performance of the season. What did you like watching about what the Mammoth did to Vancouver? I said it, uh, I think, in a few different platforms, but I felt like this mammoth team to start the year was just missing an offensive identity. Um, They, you know, whether it was, it felt like a lot of the offense was just on McLaughlin's shoulders. And I think this game, you could say he did because he had 10 points, but, you know, we saw other guys get involved. I know Connor Robinson only scored one goal, but he chipped in with four assists. We saw a little bit more from Zed Williams. I know it's three points, um, but we saw a little more of him being more engaged, taking it to the net. Uh, I thought Wardle played one of his better games this season, finished with four points. Tyson Gibson, again, I think he kind of is that catalyst. Uh, Someone on that right side has to step up. And Connor Kelly only finished with a goal and an assist. So I don't know if necessary. Like, I think we maybe just need to come to realization that there isn't going to be a Ryan Lee fill in like someone, yeah. no one on that right side is going to fill the numbers or, or do the things that he can. And it's not going to it just, I think the right side one night, it's going to be Gibson. Who's going to get his one night. It's going to be Zed one night. It's going to be Kelly. And I think as long as the lefties are sinking their shots from the outside, 
this team will be fine. And yes, the offense definitely came to life. There's no doubt about that. But the the fact of the matter is, I think we're galaxy branding ourselves here. The mammoth, if if Ward is on his game and the defense is playing well and they're playing fast and they're moving it in transition, this team's going to have success. That is what this team is built on. It's their defense and it's their elite goalie. And the other night, the defense and the goalie were elite, and that's why they came out with a win. Vancouver just had zero. I, I, I'm going to get to Kurt's comments uh, a little bit later, but this is a team that that just continues to shoot themselves in the foot, whether it's just in how they're playing, how they are individually coming out prepared, but back-to-back incredible crowds inside the Raj, big games in front of home fans, and they, they've just been laying some eggs. And this is just something that continually plagues this franchise. It's 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 really tough, man. It is it's tough to watch because again, it's it's low-hanging fruit. The mm-hmm. goal, I think it starts with the goaltending, but it doesn't end with the goaltending. No. Uh bold and walsh again, not great uh by any stretch of the imagination. I think bold had like a 61 62 save percentage walsh wasn't much better at 66 um but with that being said it's not just all on the goalies it's not like the offense shot the lights out and they lost a 16 15 game and the goalies like they only put up eight they only put up eight um the defense looked out of sorts um, chasing the game. And again, maybe does that lead to the, they don't trust their goalie. So they're extending out a little bit more. They're not too sure where they need to be on the floor because they're not getting those timely saves from their goalie. Maybe um, we're not seeing them get involved in transition. Like we saw at the start of the year and some of their, their games like Bowering had an assist. Grant had an assist. Um, I don't think, um, you know, I, I just, you know, when you look at, this team and and what they should be, it's they they should be built from their back end out, and unfortunately, that's not coming. The offense seems to be chasing. Brad McCauley really hasn't found his stride in this offense yet. That will come hopefully, um, but for me, it's it starts it starts with the goaltending. But I I just think too many people are letting this team off the hook and saying, well, if they had a better goalie, they'd be in much better better shape possibly true Mm -hmm. but man it just and maybe this is where you can get into Malewski's comments because for me he hit it on the head it just there buy-in can't just be part-time you got to be bought in and it just seems like this team it's it's not even just game by game it's almost like period by period shift by shift I don't want to – it's my positive vibes only, so I don't want to get into it quite yet. It's positive that Mouse is so awesome, so I'll just tease it there. Um, the Buffalo Bandits jumped out to an 8-3 lead on the Toronto Rock, only to see the Rock absolutely go on a run and take a 10-9 lead heading into the fourth quarter. But then the Bandits kind of rattled off, what, seven straight – and then The Rock got back to within two. Tom Schreiber scoring a couple late in the final minute. This was a game that kind of lived up to the hype and how close it was. But I don't know if it was as close 
as the score showed being just a two goal game, just on the, the amount of runs, but just another classic Buffalo Toronto battle. Um, Vino and Rosie going back and forth. Uh, Chase Fraser scoring a ridiculous swim move behind the back. Like this was just everything we expected and it lived up to the hype. This is, this is maybe offensively the best performance we've seen the bandits play. Mm-hmm. And, um, but again, <laughs> the inconsistency is an issue, not just season by, or sorry, game by game, similar um, what I just said about Vancouver. But like, when you look at the box score, um, for the bandits, what is it? I got, I think it's like one goal, seven goals, one goal set. Like, yeah. yeah. Again, again, I know that's a part of their, their MO. Like that's who the bandits are. They, they score in bunches and they're a streaky team. And when they get rolling, they're stuffed up to stop, but you know, only scoring one goal in, in the first and the third um, down the stretch, that's going to kill you. Uh, they yes. got lucky that they got lucky that Matt Vince and the, that defense was absolutely unstoppable in the first half. Um, might have been one of the best games Steve Priolo has ever played uh, in his NLL career, which is saying a lot considering how good of a player he's been for so long. But uh, they dodged a bullet, man. They really did, and I think that's got to be the messaging in that locker room. They're pumped that they pumped Toronto and and Nick Rose for. You know, for fourteen with a couple of uh, empty netters, but um, the inconsistency is an issue for me for the Buffalo Bandits. And um, again, I think they're, they'll figure it out, but just far, far too streaky for me. Technically, the third straight loss to the Bandits for the Rock. A bit of kryptonite, but you know, now Albany's lost their first of the year. Now Toronto's lost the first of the year. Teams will always say, oh, we don't want to go into the season. You know, yeah, sure, it'd be great if you were 17-0, 18-0, whatever it may be. But getting a loss out of the way is often beneficial. What can Toronto take away from this loss that will allow them to just continue, you know, one step back, two steps forward kind of thing? Well, they just got to know that they can't start out slow. And I think if you talk to a lot of guys on this team, I know Chris Boucher has mentioned it. I know... Mark Matthews has mentioned it and maybe even Challen Rogers. They feel like they have not even come close to scratching the surface with this mm-hmm. team. They feel like a lot of their wins, you know, they only played for 40 minutes for 50 minutes. Like they haven't put a full 60 together and you could argue they maybe only put a full 30 together here and they om- almost found a way to win this lacrosse game. Um, they got real close. They won the second half. They outscored the band at 6-1 in the third quarter. They got it back. They got it real close. Um, but unfortunately, it, it kind of snowballed a, away from them, that five-minute major from Mizuka. And again, I know they only got one scored on them, but I, that just felt like it, it just was really deflating for them from an offensive standpoint. Uh, another positive that you can take from it, Tom Schreiber looked – Really rusty, but he still put up six points. He had two garbage goals at the end, but at least you know down the stretch if you need a big goal, um, 
and you never feel out of it with Tom Schreiber. Like those two goals at the end were absolutely insane. And I felt like as the game progressed, he he started to play a lot better and he yeah. looked a little more like Captain America. So again, they weren't going to run the table, go 18 and 0. But I think the fact that they lost a game where they didn't play their best for, for full 60, now it goes to show. Because before they're like, okay, that wasn't great, but we won. Now it's yeah. like, okay, see, when you don't play 60 against good teams, you, you'll probably lose. Uh, talking with Matt Sora this week uh, ahead of the TSN game, I asked him, I said, was this sort of the timeline for Tom Schreiber to come back? Was this sort of always the game they had circled? And he was like, yes and no. They're like, you know, Tom wanted to start the year. He wanted to play, but we just saw that he was banged up. We wanted to give him some time off. So there was a collective agreement just to kind of shut him down in training camp, let him rest, let him get healthy. And I think it'll do him a lot of good because he had been playing a, a ton of lacrosse over the past couple of years with worlds and PLL and NLL and everything else that he's doing. So if he can kind of just get back into, into the rhythm, obviously this weekend uh, against Calgary, it will be another big test, but for this rock team, you know, it's a home and home with Calgary. Then they get New York, then they're in, then they host, host Vancouver to end February. So a good stretch of four games here in the month of the, for the rock to, to kind of resettle things and get back on the winning streak. But I think it was a good timing for the loss, but you're right. They they had suspect games where it wasn't a full 60, wasn't their best, and they were able to find a way to win. But when you play a team like Buffalo, you can't ever have a, a, a down quarter or a down half or a down five minutes. And that's what kind of cost them in the fourth quarter. So a good learning experience for this very veteran-heavy Toronto Rock team. Christian Irregulari has to be in the goalie of the year conversation, right? He's got to be in the conversation, man. He's leading the league in saves with 280 right now, which I, when, when full disclosure, when we're going through our game notes and you put, you put him there, I'm like, well, is he really? Because, well, Doug Jamison has been, you know, a stalwart back there leading the league in wins. Nick Rose, with the exception of this past game, I think you could say is, is running away with it. Um, but then you you, you kind of you know <laughs> you you start to think of not just the numbers, but you think of the magnitude and the fact that this is a young kid in his first year as a starter. What he's doing right now with this group, it's impressive. And I think maybe because there's so much firepower, you know, on this offense, and they're a championship pedigree laden team that the things he's doing gets lost in the shuffle, but it shouldn't because it is mightily impressive. You know how difficult it is to step into this league as a youngster. He just finished his last year of junior. <laughs> insane. Absolutely yeah. insane what we're seeing from him. I think he's in the conversation. I think he's still got a far away ways away from maybe catching a guy like Rose or like Jameson, um, but he's right there, man. He's got to be right there. Well, he, uh, of all starters, um, he leads the league in minutes played. Rosie's played one less game. Dougie played half a game in that game that they lost. Uh, he leads the league in saves. Uh, he is second in goals against, half a goal behind Rosie. And he's second in save percentage, uh, 1.2 save percentages behind Nick Rose. So he's not far off. And the way the San Diego Seals team is playing – and, and the style that they play, 
I definitely think at the end of the day, if they continue to play the way they are, he has to be in the conversation. We all kind of maybe quietly hope that Nick Rose finally gets his roses and wins that goal of the year award. But if San Diego goes on a run here and they're one of the top two teams at the end of the day and O'Rig is right there with Rosie, it is going to come down to, you know, one or two votes. So I think he's just been playing some incredible across for a guy, like you said, just in his first year as a starter, uh, has looked fantastic, more and more comfortable each and every week. Um, but it's just awesome to see. But then you look at the other side of the ball for the San Diego team. Westberg is just unbelievable. But Austin Stotts quietly leading the team with, well, maybe not quietly, um, it's very loudly leading the team with 19 goals, 39 points. This is maybe the best version of Austin Stotts we've seen in the National Lacrosse since he's come in. And I don't know. I haven't heard in terms of, you know, if he came into camp in better shape or if, you know, he had a great off season. I know he was obviously, you know, won a, uh, a man cup. So it's not like he took the summer off and yeah. you know, maybe playing, maybe sometimes playing is the best way to get yeah. in shape. Right. Uh, it's lacrosse shape. Um, but I totally agree. It's, he's always had the capability, whether he's playing for the arrows or he's playing for the chiefs or even for here, for the seals or what we saw him do in the summer. Um, with the Haudenosaunee, like he has the capability to take over games at, at, yeah. at any moment. Um, but it almost feels like each and every game he's scoring at least a hat trick. And it's not, it's, it's either like he's coming out of the gates and, and just taking over the game right away and potting two, three quick ones, or it's like one. And then near the end of the game, that's when he's taking over. So to me, it's just, he's a guy that's been in the league for a few seasons now. Um, it's insane that I think it's already his seventh season, which it, it feels like just yesterday he was he was drafted and he told San Diego, I'm coming, I'm coming. Like yeah, that feels that like interview was, with Devin Keeney. Yeah, all time, all time yeah. stuff from Audie Stotts. Feels like it was just yesterday, man. But he is he's a veteran in this league now, and you can feel that he is very comfortable in that offense. Never I mean, he never lacked the confidence, anyways. Yeah. But He's a guy that's been a winner his entire lacrosse career. Maybe the fact that this team hasn't been able to get over the hump is just not sitting well with him. And he's saying, like, that's it, fellas. Like, we're winning, and I'm doing absolutely everything I can to make sure that we win this year. Did you watch the Seals documentary yet? I still haven't, man. I, I still have not. It's, 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 it's on my flagged or to-do or whatever you want to call it, the <laughs> watch, watch list. I have it. I have it all queued up, but uh, not to put the blame on you. You keep you keep suggesting other really good documentaries <laughs> that I end up watching before. It. So stop giving me good choices. And I'll watch Sorry, them. man. I watch a lot of shit. Um, what is that? Uh, 10 goals, 26 points between Connor Kiernan, Riley O'Connor, Jeff Teat, and Larson Sundown as the Riptide knock off the Swarm who are – anti-swarming um, but this was a, a great win for the New York Riptide who are starting to come into their own and really look like a team that's going to push for the playoffs uh, again hand up I, I mean I think I was one of the ones who said I think there needs to be a change 
whether it's leadership, bring in another body. Uh, but, you know, they did bring in Stephen Keogh, and I think that obviously plays a big role. He's got 12 points in five games, but he brings so much more than just that, you know, his crashing, banging ability, just the, the leadership that he brings in the locker room, the championship pedigree. That That's obviously huge. But, again, I, I still will say that I think, you know, a lot of sir saying, oh, the ball's just got to drop for us. I think they are playing a little bit different. I think they're playing with more of a chip on their shoulder. They're attacking the cage more. We're seeing them. You know, the ball is spinning just as it was before. And, yes, I'll give it to them. The ball definitely is dropping more than it was. Yeah. There's no denying that. But this team just feels like they're playing with swagger and they're playing like they're having fun out there. Whereas mm. before at the start of the year, they look miserable out there. And sure, a win here and there is going to change things, but something something clicked with this group. I don't know what it is, and I don't even know if they know if they can put that that finger on it. But this offense just looks totally different, mm-hmm. and it's finally this is the vision of this Riptide team that we've been kind of waiting for the past few years. Now, I want to ask you. Before, unless there's something here with no, the no, Riptide, go ahead, buddy. Go ahead. is this win more of an indication that the Riptide, Riptide are rising, or is it that there are some big, big red flags in Georgia? Column A, column B. I think I think it definitely is the Riptide rising. I think they are starting to really believe in what Dan Latasur and Gibby are preaching um, and you got to give a lot of credit to Patty Jones running that defense. But I really think that, uh, I don't know if we mushed Brent Dobson, having him come on the podcast. Uh, he hasn't looked the same in the last couple of weeks. Um, Lyle still doing his thing, but I, I just think this Georgia team can kind of be silenced a little bit. If, if you find a way to shut down or to limit LT and, and Jacko. Andrew Q has dipped a bit. Seth Oaks has definitely dipped a bit. Uh, Bomber's not, you know, getting his two, three goals, five points a night. Zach Miller has kind of tailed off. I really think that teams are starting to figure out this Georgia Swarm and, and how to combat their offense. You know, you can't give Lyle time and room, but you can also, you know, allow Lyle to get four or five and let Jacko get two or three as long as you silence everybody else. So I definitely think New York is playing some of their best lacrosse we've seen, but Georgia definitely needs to figure it out because now they are struggling. They've lost three straight after starting the year four and one. Uh, They got Vancouver coming to town this weekend, which could definitely be a, a, a get right game to steal one of your phrases, but they definitely have to figure it out because they were the talk of the town to start the year along with, Albany and Toronto, if they continue to slip here, there's going to be some teams past them in the standings because you can't go on a five, six game losing streak and and have success in a unified standings because you're going to start to lose those tiebreakers. Uh, If they lose the, if they lose the tiebreaker to Vancouver, I don't know if Vancouver would ever catch them, but it's definitely going to spur Vancouver and put a lot of doubt in that Georgia locker. What do you think? Muted. I think you nailed it on the head. I think it's a little bit of both. 
but for me, I think it's more of a, I, I, I feel like it's a little more of a cause for concern for Georgia. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, I think a lot of teams, I, I feel like they're saying, hey, and this has kind of been the case the last few years, but I think it's just more apparent right now. They're saying, hey, Lyle's going to get five. He's going to get six. He's going to get something. As long as, as you know, he's going to get his. Yeah. As long as everyone else doesn't, you know, as Jackson doesn't go off or Q doesn't go off or even, you know, some of the other guys that you mentioned that have the the ability to have big nights. I, it's almost like that's what's happening right now. Dan Arestia, friend of the program, threw out a great tweet uh, the other day. Shane Jackson during Georgia's game uh, three-game winning streak, eight points per game, 11 goals. Shane Jackson during Georgia's current three-game losing streak, three points per game, zero goals. What? Swarm need to find a way to get him going. He hasn't scored in three games? Holy crap. And he had he coming off a 10-point night against Panther City on January 6th. Four assists, three assists, two assists, zero goals. Yeah, that yep. is that is concerning. That's alarming considering the, the his stat line before um starting with the opener, two and two for four, two and one for three. Then this is where the offense explodes from one and six for seven, four and three for seven. Six and four for ten. Like there was a point at the start of January where people were like, "Well, maybe Shane Jackson might win the MVP again. Yeah, maybe, maybe this is we're going to see that that again." But since uh, very quiet, but not just him. Uh, you mentioned obviously Q was tailed off. Uh, I think Bombay really had two assists last game. Um, I, I, you know, the offense just feels like they're they have to work so hard to get to the middle of the floor. And of course it's national lacrosse league. You have to, but for them, it just seems like at times it's impossible for them to get to the middle. And I don't know if that's the size. I don't know if it's because they don't have a guy that can crash and bang and free up space or they're not doing that. But to me, it's, it's too perimeter with the exception of Lyle Thompson being a superhero and and putting his team on the back and, and, you know, diving towards the net. It just the cohesion is just not quite there, and I'm sure they'll be fine. I'm sure they'll figure it out. It's just with the unified standings, you can't. You know these three game, four game, five like those could put you. That, those could kill you for the season. You got to stop the bleeding because you mentioned it with the tiebreakers and just the way that this works. Um, things can slip through your hands really quickly. Out in Vegas, it was fifteen to three at halftime for Panther City over the Desert Dogs, and Callum Crawford had 11 points. Everyone was like, oh, my God, what's the record? So, obviously, it's Mark Stainhouse, 17 points in one game. And it was almost like a foregone conclusion that Crawford was going to get this record. Um, Then there was a coaching decision to kind of tail his minutes, shut him down a bit. They wanted to protect him going forward. Was this a missed opportunity or a wise coaching decision? I'll be honest. I don't know enough of the details, but there've been a lot of things that have been floating around and some say it was, you know, our argument between the coaching staff and we all know TK is is trying to, to build a culture where there's not one person bigger 
than the team and then and, and um, you know will Malcolm on uh, on lax class this week basically said you know there was a coaching decision uh, or uh, sorry a a, a, a ter- internal team issue that the coaches made a decision we're past it and we've moved on it and we're gonna be better for it so whatever that means, yeah. I don't know if it, I don't know if it was like, yeah, we're shutting you down because we don't want to get you hurt. There's just a five minute major. They're taking cheap shots on us. And then maybe that's where that argument happened. I don't know. Wasn't on the bench. Things have been floating around. Obviously the fact that a guy on the team went on a podcast and said something happened, but it's done and over with something clearly happened. Yeah. It's for sure. A missed opportunity would have been great for a team that is struggling to put butts in the seats to say, Hey, we just had a guy put up 18 points. He broke the record. He's got the goals, single goals, the single points record. I get it. That would have been awesome. Would have been great for Callum Crawford. He's played in this for a long time. He's earned the right. But with that being said, if you're trying to build a culture here and, and you're trying to set a message that there is not one person bigger than the team and, um, you know, the, the, the tail doesn't wag the dog, whatever cliche you want to throw out. If that's what they're trying to do, if that's what they're trying to establish, then you have to respect the move. You have to respect the move. And I think that's what happened. And, you know, I, I hope, I hope Will Malcolm, excuse me. I hope Will Malcolm, Malcolm is right. I hope they're done. I hope they, they got through it and whatever's happened has happened because um, this seems like this was a turning point for this Panther city team. Um, It felt like, the offense finally clicked and they they got a performance where we saw flashes of it last year, especially, you know, you know, they where they felt like, okay, this could be one of the best offenses in the league. Hadn't quite seen that yet this year. It comes now and hopefully that situation doesn't become a damper on the season. Uh Will Malcolm also had himself a twelve point nine. They probably they they would have gone down as the highest scoring duo in the single game, if that pace would have continued through four quarters, they're at Saskatchewan this weekend, another big game for them. But conversely for Las Vegas, just another deflating loss and a loss at home. They're getting good crowds at home that they're starting to, you know, really build some, energy and some momentum down there in Vegas, but these losses are just absolutely crushing to an organization. And I don't know what Willie can do. You know, there's got to be some sort of move being made here to try to help better your team for the future. You know, you're close with Willie. You talk with those guys quite a bit. What do you see this team being able to do? You know, unfortunately I haven't had the, the, the chance uh, to talk to any of the folks down in Vegas about what happened or, you know, what's going on with this group. Um, you know, similar, similarly to what we talked about Vancouver with the goaltending, I think Kells, obviously he's had a couple of really good performances, um, but there've been some performance, including this one where, you know, you definitely wouldn't want to hang your hat on. Um, I thought he struggled early on to really stop the ball and <clears throat> things started to, to to trickle down from there. But again, you can't hang that all on, on the goaltending, um, you know, being down eight one um, in the first quarter, I thought it took way too long <clears throat> to have some sort of response from the team. And the fact that it even had to come from, you know, 
the guy that it did in Charlie Bertrand, just, you know, his second fight in his NLL career, he's going up against one of the toughest guys yeah. in all of lacrosse. So kudos to him for doing it, for stepping in and answering the bell, but that's got to happen before the third quarter. And I'm not saying I'm this old school guy where you need to turn this into, you know, you're getting smoked. You need to turn it into a brawl, but yeah. you have to have some sort of response. You got to play for some pride here and show that if a team's going to beat you, this it's not going to be easy and you're not quitting. And it shows the guy beside you in your locker room at halftime that you're not ready to go down. To me, this team quit. They quit after that first quarter. They packed yeah. it in. They were thinking about which which casino they were going to go to after the game or which club they were going to go to. And they're a young team. They're, you're going to go through this. You're going to go through these beatdowns. It's, it's, you know, you're not going to be a championship contender overnight. Um, but for a team that prides themselves off character, you know, that 12-round fighter uh, mentality that they speak of, the coaching staff, Sean Williams, um, very uncharacteristic the way that they went down with, you know, no pun intended, a, without a fight. Yeah. Um, big game this week against Albany. Um, um, Albany's going to be, you know, they're coming off a bye. They're coming off a loss. They're going to be hungry too. But um, I think we'll know what this, this, this Vegas team is all about based off the performance that we see this week going into Albany. Uh, two more things before we get to positive vibes only. And I asked Brad Chowner this question um, on the <clears> broadcast <throat> last weekend. I know some other uh, broadcast teams have kind of talked about it. But with the league moving to coincidental minors to go four on four, obviously team to team is different. But do you think four on four benefits the O or the D more? Well, you, you kind of answered my uh, initial answer, and that would have been it's by team by team. But I think it's got to be the offense. You basically virtually create a two-man game on, e on each side. Yeah. There's so much time and space for creativity on the floor. Again, it's it's similar to what you see in three-on-three in -three overtime. Like I think, obviously, the advantage goes to the team with the puck. Uh, but, you know, if you miss your chance um, – if you flog a bad shot, it goes yeah. wide, goes off the boards, or if it's a bad cause turnover at the top, um, you know, near your, your opponent's restrainer, then the advantage quickly turns into the defense. Um, it's a great, it's a great debate. And I'd be curious to, to know your answer. I, I think it is a team by team. I, I think defensively, if you're not communicating, you're going to find yourself in a world of hurt. If you're not talking through the switches, you're not, you know, given your open calls or your force calls or fire calls, whatever they are. If you're not communicating, then it definitely would benefit the offense. But I think there's such good defensive units and the teams are generally going to put out their top four defensive guys. I think D really has an opportunity to take the advantage because you don't have to worry about as many picks. You don't have to worry about as many guys, you know, floating on the backside or a guy cutting behind the net and kind of pulling a D guy down. I think the defense can definitely take a lot of advantage and just being able to focus on that said two man game. So it is a, a situational team by team game by game kind of basis, but I, it's got to be pretty even between, you know, if, it, if it's an O or a D benefit, it's just something that continually I, I ask myself as they, they happen. Um, one last one. Burning take this week. 
I went on the record, and this, as I said in the video, this is going to upset probably a lot of traditionalists. But we have seen over the course of the last few years that when a goal is scored or maybe a, it, it might have gone in or the refs waved it off, oftentimes coaches don't get the replay they need or the replay they want or they don't show a replay at all because it wasn't actually a goal. But you thought it might have been a goal and, and the – the scoreboard operators playing a fan interaction or uh, they're showing fan reactions or they're just following the game up the floor. So coaches may not get what they need to see in those 35 seconds or it's leading up to the faceoff and the replay crew, you know, shows an angle that isn't the angle that you need. So my burning take this week is that the national lacrosse league should move to a VAR system just like they do in soccer. So that as soon as a goal happens, you have an independent review committee in the arena that's hired by the league that has access to all the camera angles and all the replays and they can quickly go through it and they can and they'll know, you know, all the nine criteria that they have to go through, but they can quickly look and see if it should be a challenge or not. And then they would just like in the NFL, you know, or in soccer, buzz down to the official and say, hey, I think you need to look at this. It would take away, you know, those angles where you don't show the entire crease. You can't see if a guy on the backside has a foot on the line. Um, and you could just quickly expedite the process. You wouldn't have to have coaches just praying that the video replay operator gives them the right view. I think it would take a lot of the guesswork out of things. I think it would speed up the replay process. And I think we'd get more calls right. And I think we would have a better product for it. Do you think the National Crossing would benefit from VAR? Well, do they get the technology of VAR where they have the, you know, <laughs> to be able to see based on a chip in the ball or whatever. And then, and, and it crosses the line because yes, of course that would be amazing. The NHL should freaking even have that. But if it's just the, VAR system in, in regards to kind of how you explained it. Either one, I think that, that yes, 100%. I think the way you explain it, though, by having an independent reviewer uh, makes even more sense. They do in the NHL. You know, they yeah. when they go upstairs, they're, they're going to, to Toronto, yeah. uh, the headquarters there. I guess the question goes, who who's going to be the independent committee uh you obviously don't want to take away quality officials from being down on the floor is it former is it former officials maybe you can get someone who lives you know centrally in toronto you go to the track in oakville i don't know something where where they're reviewing it there um maybe somewhere on the west coast in bc maybe you have a west coast and east coast crew I don't want to put another thing on Mr. Lemon's plate. I know he's a busy and busy man. This probably sounds like a nightmare for him. So we'll, we won't sign yeah. him up to do it, but I like that idea too. It also takes the human element away from the official who makes the call on the floor. Um, again, in the back of their mind, they thought initially it was a goal. Yeah, or they don't want to, they don't want to prove themselves wrong. Exactly. So, and again, even if they 
aren't actively feeling like that way, it's human nature that you want to, yeah. you know, you want your call to be right. So takes that out completely. I think it's a great idea. I don't think it's a hot take idea well, at all. I think it's a great take. It's going to be an investment, of course, yeah. depending on, on the way you unroll it. But I think it's, I think it's, it's mandatory. I think it has to happen. Yeah. I think, I, I don't think it's a, um, a master replay office like they do in Toronto. Because like when that happens, you get a coach's challenge. The officials go to the penalty box. They call master control in Toronto. Then they review it. I think this is in-house. I think you just, you have a guy somewhere with a monitor and a, a control system that he can just go put up all the replays. He can sync them, you know, time stamped. He can look at everyone at a specific time. So I just, I just, it popped into my head because over the last few weeks I've seen you know, so many coaches go to the official and say, I didn't get my two replays or he didn't even show anything or the replays I got were terrible. Mm -hmm. So I need you to look at it. And sometimes some coaches just throw it for the sake of throwing it. So um, just to kind of use it as a momentum killer or just to slow the game down. So I, it just kind of popped into my head after seeing, you know, over the years, the issues we've had with, you know, the home team, quote unquote, not showing the visiting team proper replays or not getting them put out in time. So VAR to the NAL, NLL book it for next year. Just kidding. Um, let's keep things positive, right? It's uh, it's a Friday. It's a big week in the National Lacrosse League. Let's have some fun. Oh, we uh, got to stay positive, right? We got to give them that. Positive vibes only. All right, we teased it. Now, I want to let you hear a snippet of one of the best coaches ever to give a post-game commentary. Pretty lackluster. You know, we've lost five games this year, and I thought that was one of our worst performances. You know, I didn't like our Calgary game, but I just thought that one was awful. I didn't like it. It just, like, it, it, there wasn't a ton of compete. The guys battled at times, but it was just lackluster, I think. It's just like we would make a good play and no one would no one would get on the boards and bang their sticks and no one would really cheer for the guy next to him and and i just questioned it like it's just like does it not matter to you is it, is it not important to you like how you're, you're getting embarrassed in front of you know we've had the two biggest crowds in the franchise history the last two games i'm freaking embarrassed man i'm freaking embarrassed like that's how i feel I, I feel we let the fans down we're letting the organization down it stinks it absolutely stinks that's how i feel so that's Kurt Miloski after the Calgary game. And we need more coaches that are as blunt and honest as Kurt Miloski is in his post-game pressers. He doesn't hold back. He calls a spade a spade. He will let you know exactly where you stand. And he gave both sides of it. He said, we had no energy, no preparation. We're not doing the things that we need to do. We're not doing the things that the coaches are preaching. And then he says, and then there's that shift by Keegan Ball. I, I was crying for him. I wanted to give him a big hug because that's the way you play lacrosse. That's how you do it the right way. We don't get that a lot from the National Lacrosse League coaches. We see it in some other sports like John Tortorella, obviously as blunt as they ever come. Um, but most times you just get coaches talk. You just get the cliches. So I want to keep things positive and say Kurt Molosky will continually be the best at post-game pressers, and we need more of it. 
you nailed it as as poor as the play was on Friday night and and the the start certainly not the way that Mouse himself wants his tenure uh, to start in Vancouver, the fans, not the way the players. Nobody wants it. No one really expected it, maybe, uh, to start this way. But I tweeted it out, and I'll say it again. You just got to trust the process with Mouse, man. Like, the fact that he is this pissed off and 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 is this emotion emotional goes to just show you how much it means to him and how much yeah. he cares about it. Um, they'll be fine. They will be fine. It, it might... They might not make the playoffs this year, and it's yeah. looking more like that they're, you know, Vancouver's going to have to wait, um, you know, another year for some spring lacrosse on the West Coast. But just the fire inside that guy there just leads me to just say to, to Vancouver fans, just be patient, relax. You've got the right guy leading you. Everything else will follow soon. And, and I love just – Yeah, and a, and a continuation on that positive – you know, next year, Cormier comes in, Haley comes in, Alex Atakis, the faceoff guy from Denver, comes in, Sam Handley comes in. Like, mm-hmm. you're getting four great, athletic, young, talented lacrosse players coming in next year that automatically will help your team. There is going to be, again, from last year to this year in Vancouver, when Mouse came in, we all knew there was going to be turnover. Next year, there's going to be even more. I could see this team, you know, including those four guys – having six, seven, maybe eight new faces on that roster next year. Trust the process. Kurt built Calgary over a decade. It took time with him and Mike Board to to draft right, to finally get some first-round picks, some first overalls in their lineup. And I, I said it on the broadcast, and Brad was like, oh, that's a really good nugget. Kevin Crowley is only the second first-round draft pick to play for the Warriors and Stealth out, wow. out of when they were not in San Jose, but from Everett to Langley to Vancouver, he's only the second ever first overall pick. And they have been atrocious over years. Logan Schuss is the other one. So they got to start to get first round picks, first overall picks in their lineup. And it's going to take time, but Kurt Miloski has a process and I think he is going to, you know, it's going to be stressful. There's probably going to be a few more press conferences like last week's press conference. Hopefully not. But for us as fans and watchers, that stuff's gold. But for the organization, it's got to be better. Hopefully those don't happen. But you're right. Trust the process. It's going to get better. I guess it's my turn to say what my positive vibes only moment of the week is. It's it's tough, to, it's tough <laughs> to follow that one up, but I'll throw out a little quick one. It's this one's a, a little you know lighthearted. Um, shout out to all the teams with the great theme nights. Uh, oh, yeah. We've seen some great ones, some retro beach party. Oh, I know um, where you're going with emo this. night. Um, but the big positive vibes only is shout out to all the players that are taking it to the next level uh, and dressing up. I thought the Halifax guys did a great job. Um, I thought uh, a couple weeks ago we saw Saskatchewan. They did the same thing with Retro Night. They had some great fits there. We've seen Country Night, uh, seen some guys rolling with some good fits. We saw Latrell Harris 
wearing shorts and a beach shirt, a yeah. Hawaiian shirt to, to beach night. So uh, kudos to everyone um, going above and beyond and, and really showing off their fits for some of these fee- uh, theme nights. You've been watching Big Mike too much. Um, I actually thought you were going to say, uh, <laughs> when you said the theme jerseys, I thought you were going to mention the Mammoth absolutely killing oh. it again with one of their theme night jerseys with their Grateful Dead mashup. And I know you're a jersey addict. And you I, love, I am. You love, you love sharp, you know, collaborations of uh, alternate jerseys. And I'm hit and miss with alternate jerseys, um, but I don't think anybody does it as good as Colorado does. No, they've consistently, whether it's like their, their specialty – Colorado State jersey or Real the black jerseys, yeah, yeah, like those jerseys are always, you know, incredible. But you know, I'm not even, I'm not even a Deadhead. I'm not like no. a huge Grateful Dead fan. But the logo with the bear, the walking bears on the bottom, the rose, it like just phenomenal. Really good job. Unique way to just you know have a a different brand, a different group of people to, to, you know, I, I can guarantee you a lot of deadheads in, oh, in Denver are going to be a lot. They're going to be sprinting to get their hands <laughs> on that. That would be quite the vibe. And I wonder if they'll just play jam band music um, oh. the entire game. Like, I think that would be, that'd be a pretty, pretty cool environment to be inside. the. Oh, everyone would just be laid back, eyes glazed, <laughs> just kind of rocking back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, the New York Riptide are on a mini heater. They've won three of their last four. They've beaten Buffalo and Georgia in back-to-back games. They've got the Calgary Roughnecks this Friday, and Riley O'Connor quietly putting up a heck of a year in the Nash Lacrosse. And he'll join us this week right here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. As mentioned, the New York Riptide are starting to heat up and Riley O'Connor is having himself a career year for the tide. He joins us this week. Riley, how are you, man? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, yeah, no worries. Uh, you're getting ready to fly out to Calgary. A big weekend for you guys. What are the vibes around this team after you're starting to really play some strong, consistent lacrosse? The vibes are great. Uh, the vibes are, are really high. Obviously, as you guys know, um, the highs, you know, sometimes can get pretty high. The, the lows can get pretty low. But when you're winning, a lot of things are good. And I think there's more confidence in the group. But honestly, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But I, I really believe the secret to our success is the fun we're having, the joy we're having, how much, you know, the group loves each other. So, um, yeah, like I'm, I'm pumped up, you know, to, to go to the airport, get there early and have a meal with the guys and spend a lot of quality time together. Let's talk about that fun. Like, what, what what is Laddie doing to kind of take the pressure off, get you guys relaxed and kind of having that fun? Yeah, he, you know, he's just such a great leader. leader. He promotes that within us, right, and encourages us, you know, and, and speaks a lot of the leadership group to ensure, you know, we're having team meals, right? And, and that means sometimes pushing back film to make sure we can get quality time in. Um, but in the same breath, he also, you know, um, has held a couple, um, really 
you know, neat and emotional, um, kind of team meetings, you know, that really, I think, uh, set the tone and laid the foundation, um, and allowed us to form that brotherhood and connect as a group. So I give all the credit in the world for, to Laddie for really, uh, leading the ship. I want to go back to you after your guys first win, um, uh, you guys put a, a great video debut in the belt and, and the chain, but, Something that's resonated with me and a lot of a lot of folks, at least in the in the media, is when Jeff Teat said it all started with that one practice that you guys had mid midweek, and that really rolled in. Like, was that the best practice ever? Because it it keeps going back to how that was like the turning point. And, and I know the NLL is a different beast. You don't always get to have midweek practices, or if you do, guys, some guys are missing, some guys are running late. But it just seems like that seemed to be a little bit of a, a turning point for you guys where you started to roll and offensively you start to click defensively, you get going and and the wind started collecting from that moment. Yeah, I, I would say so. I think we're pretty lucky. You know, we're pretty um, heavily based on GTA. So we practice every Wednesday night in Brampton. Um, but yeah, there was something different about that week. Um, you know, we got off to a slow start and I think Laddie and the staff really upped the intensity and, and the practice plan was, it's not to say the practices or the camp before that weren't intense, but it was just another sense, uh, of urgency, um, and just that intense focus. Right. So, um, and the offense, you know, cause we did bring in some new pieces, um, whether it was yeah. in the off season, um, or, or Stevie Keel through a trade. Um, but having the Wednesdays to run through our sets and, and just gain that chemistry has really, really helped our group. I want to stick with that video that was a couple weeks ago. During that video when Laddie was handing out the belt, he said that that effort needed to be a consistent effort each and every week for you guys. What has changed that has allowed you guys to mentally be strong for 60 Minutes? I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe a little bit of the confidence, um, a little bit of the expectation to win. Right. I, I think people have been, you know, conversations like this with great lacrosse minds around the league. It's like, oh, you guys are rolling or, oh, you know, you guys have turned a page or, oh, this is, you know, this kind of came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And my kind of answer is, you know, not not that we're overconfident or things like that, but it's like, like, this is where we should be. Like, look at our look at our roster. We've got the best player in the world. Um, you know, we've got, we've added amazing veteran leaderships and guys that just know how to win. We've got some underrated players that are awesome. And our defense is, is top, top level, right? Callum Jones, he, he's not a rookie. He's one of the best defensemen in the league, right? And Brownie and Laffey and, and Damo. Like, I can go on and on. Like, look at our roster on paper. It's a, it's a fantastic roster. I want. I was going to ask, ask this later, but you brought up the name Callum Jones. Uh, big fan of his game. Uh, he he just plays with reckless abandon, and and his motor always go. But you mentioned it. Obviously, a little bit older. He is a rookie uh, by just his status. But where exactly is this guy's ceiling? I'll, I'll say I don't like practicing against him. I don't. I don't, I don't like. I don't like helmet and gloves game day shoot around him because he's only got one speed and it's intense and it's focus and the competitive and relentless motor he has is next level. Um, again, I, I just the sky's the limit for him because of 
just that the competitiveness and and the motor on him and and how much he just doesn't stop working uh out the back end obviously there's a, a ton of those defensive names you're talking about but cam dunkerley is starting to round into form between the pipes how vocal is he for a young netminder you know, he, he's a quiet guy. He's a quiet guy. But like you guys know, and everyone in the lacrosse world knows, it starts, you know, and pretty much ends with, with the goaltending position. And he's been, you know, one of, if not the biggest keys to our success. Um, he, but he is a quiet leader, right? There has been more leadership expectations, you know, put on him. He's in, you know, our leadership group. Um, but the thing I really love about him is he loves the game um, and he works, right? He, he challenges himself. I, I, I notice that I see that I, I, I hear him, right. He, he's always pushing himself. Um, you know, the old guys, we like to stay an extra 15 minutes, usually like after practice, after shoot every single time. And he's always the one, um, in the net that wants those shots. So he's got that, that it factor. I think that again, makes the great ones great. And, and a big turnaround since he's had double pink eye too. <laughs> we were saying you got you got to be bring, doing that every week. It was like think guy. That was the uh, that was the first win. So yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he was lights out. So we're like, yeah, you got to keep that rolling every week. <laughs> Whoever's his roommate got to do whatever he can to that pillow. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it takes to win. <laughs> exactly. Uh, a guy who knows what it takes to win and, and puts his body on the line. You know, every single time he touches the floor, Stephen Keogh. I think it's very apparent that the turnaround of not just the offense, but the entire team kind of goes hand in hand with bringing in a guy like Keo. And I know, you know, the character who he is being around him as a coach, uh, but what has he been able to do to the, not just the floor, uh, but inside the locker room with this team? It's everything, you know, and I think that's like uh shout out to rich, you know, for, I think his main um, focus as the GM and, and building teams is character. And uh, Stephen Keogh is a winner, right? That, that's that's what he does. Everywhere he's gone, everywhere he's been, he wins. Um, like you said, he just brings an intelligence, a toughness, a team-first mindset. Um, you just know what you're going to get from him night in, night out, right? Like, obviously, coming out party was there in Buffalo when he had four, right, against in inarguably – the hardest environment, the toughest team, the best goal. Like he, he shows up when it matters. So uh, he's just been huge for a group. You, you guys talked, you talked about some of the the pieces that have been brought in. You mentioned Rich List's name, you know, LaFontaine, you, you bring in Mitch Wild, you bring in a, a guy like Kyle Matisse. How has he kind of brought his veteran voice to that offense and to that locker room? Yeah, it's funny, you know, you, you, been in the league for a lot of years and you play against guys or you you know have mutual connections or you hear about them and you know just heard moose was just a great guy um but then to actually meet him and get him in your room i think the world of him um obviously he's he's doing amazing things on the floor and he's you know our one of our go-to guys in producing big time which is amazing but his impact is so much greater than that um he is one of the better leaders I've, I've been around in this league, just how he connects with everyone and is so inclusive. Um, and again, it's just always there for you. So I, I can't say enough great things about Moose. Does it blow your mind that he can still play offense and defense at that age? 
it's 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 so spectacular right like we had the, the our first win was against philly and we had some travel issues some some health issues and i you know i think it was kind of like the morning before the game they made the decision like moose we, we need you to go at the back and and he did and it was like christ like he was great on d he was he added a punch in transition um it's almost like it, it's it's that's why what makes him so great right he can run the power play he can play inside out he, you don't find many players like him anymore. But again, if you have guys like that, I just feel it's such a huge advantage. You're on pace for a, a career high in, in most of your metrics. What exactly has been working for you offensively this year? Um, I, I think it's honestly just a product of the environment in the sense of, you know, like I mentioned, playing with Jeff. Um, I think it's, you know, you give him the ball, you know, something good's going to happen. Um, but you know, the work Larson sundown does, right. I think he, you know, he's amazing an amazing teammate, but a great player. Half my assists, I think are from his uh, dunk goals. (laughs) (laughs) You you guys, you guys got that down to a science. I will say it's still working. So we're going to keep going to it, but, uh, and and that's all because of what he does and how he sets up and, and things like that and his athleticism. But, um, you know, a guy like Connor Kernan, right? Like, that guy is always – I think he's one of the most underrated players in the NLL. He is always open. He is he – is, we like to give him a hard time, but and <laughs> I hope he doesn't hear this, but he's one of the smarter lacrosse players I've ever played with, um, and he just knows how to finish the ball. So, again, just – just it's it's the team, right? And it's Cross calling, you know, a, a great game plan. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it and just having a lot of fun. We'll make sure Kiernan gets this audio clip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're busy. You're a really busy guy in the off season, though. Obviously, coaching uh, the beaches, coaching with the beast. Uh, how are you able to 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 still train in the off season and and work on your craft? Yeah, I'm pretty lucky. Lacrosse is my life. Um, I uh, I love what I do, so I don't really consider it you know that much work. Um, it is time consuming, so I'm very lucky that uh, my fiance is so supportive and all that um she's number one and you know my, my parents kind of are at pretty much every game so they're they're so supportive of me but um i literally work in a beast warehouse which is a gym and it has a shooting space so um you know uh my boss reed acton is is one of my best friends and he's got no problem with me sneaking out, you know, lunchtime right after lunch to get a workout in. And, and Damon Edwards is the head strength and conditioning coach. So I don't know what I'm doing, but I say, Damo, what time are you in today? And whatever <laughs> time he's in, I drop what I'm doing and I join him for a lift because uh, he's, you know, a great role model and mentor to me. And um, I've just got that flexibility. So I've got a pretty good setup. Tell us a little bit about Beast. I was in the warehouse for the first time uh, a couple weeks ago, but uh, what, what can we expect uh, for the upcoming lacrosse season with uh, Beast? And maybe for some folks that don't know what Beast's all about, tell them a little bit about it. Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's a lacrosse club program that I think you know where development is the key, um, community, and you know is is so important to us. Um, Reed's put such a, an amazing vision out there and uh the emphasis on getting great people involved with great coaches um and then again using the game to create pretty special experiences which usually means going down the states and plan um and creating relationships where you know we've got guys from beaches whitby clarington peterborough 
of Halton Hills all over, right? So um, it's just another avenue um, for them to continue playing lacrosse and uh, enjoy this great game. Where can people find more information about Beast? Uh, there, there's an Instagram page uh, at Beast Athletics. We're, we're really working on um, just continuing to grow it. And uh, whether it's the warehouse where we've got strength and conditioning, um, my close friend and I, Colin Butler, we actually just created something called the Leadership Project. So we actually combine strength training um, as well as like mental training, um, which I'm super passionate about. Um, and there's just lots of offerings there. Um, so it's pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Let's kind of ex- expand on that. You, you like the mental training part of it. What about that kind of has helped your game and how do you see it affecting uh, the, the future of lacrosse and guys kind of finding different ways to strengthen their minds? Like I've been watching the the NASCAR documentaries and, and the Drive to Survive documentaries and they're doing a whole bunch of different things just to keep people's minds sharp and in and, and good head spaces. So how does it affect you and, and what kind of things are you doing? Yeah. So I, I think it's, it's one of the best things, right? I'm just so passionate about it. I really like, I love, you know, documentaries. I love reading. Um, I don't really watch a ton of like regular TV or anything like that, but you know, if I do, it's a, it's a documentary, right? Um, I read every single day. Um, and, uh, just because that's that's you know some of my hobbies and I'm I'm really uh, into that stuff. But I think when I when I mean mental side, um, part of that is character um, and being hard worker, being reliable, being a great teammate. Um, that kind of side, trying to continue to uh, develop that, um, and then also yeah, like being mentally tough, right? So that's why we incorporate the strength training because almost putting you in positions where you're a little fatigued or you've got to do hard things, um, handling adversity. So the combination of those two things, um, I just think helps make you successful in life, whatever you choose, whether that's sport or your daily nine to five job, or just going through, you know, the everyday uh, of life. So, um, and again, it, it just helps you build, I think, more meaningful relationships. What are some of the documentaries uh, that you like watching? Like, are you a, are you a drive to survive guy? Did you enjoy full swing or, and things like that? Yeah, I watch it all. I watch it all. Like, you know, I get a flight to Calgary today. So, you know, I've got my book with me and I've got a couple things downloaded. Um, Right. I just, uh, the new season of the breaking point, the tennis. Yeah. Um, So watching that, um, you know, I watched the San Diego seals were on the floor, just, just more, I guess it's behind the scenes. Um, Like I I can sit and watch hard knocks all day. Um, I love watching. uh, I spend a little too much time probably on, on Twitter and Instagram, just watching post game press conferences, right. From, from Dan Campbell, like what, what's he talking about? Um, I, I, you know, follow uh, like Adam. I love just learning more about coaches. I'm really big on like the Harbaugh's right now. Um, and just their philosophies on team building um, because yeah, I'm, I'm so passionate about coaching um, and uh, I'm just so into that stuff. So the behind the scenes of, especially the NFL yeah. um, is, is what I just love doing in my spare time. I recommend the uh, six nations rugby documentary full contact. It yeah. Just came out last week. Someone texted me about that last night, actually. So I, yeah. I might just get out. Really good. Yeah. yeah. I it, it's really good. I I, uh, I powered through the NASCAR one. It was okay. 
I didn't like how it was shot, and that's just from my mind. Um, but it, it, it's just such a an incredible thing to see what these guys are doing behind the scenes. And, and like you said, the the Seals documentary one was really cool because you got to see the the personal side of a guy like Patrick Merrill uh, and all the things that he went through. So yeah, there's tons of incredible documentaries out there. I, I would love to see the NLL do more stuff like that. Um, but you're right, there there is some great content out there. Uh, yeah, um, Jeff Teat's pretty average. Uh, he's got the ability to have a big night here or there. Have we seen the best of him, or is the guy just a huge bust? That's the thing about him. He's only getting better. Um, yeah. I, I really believe that. Uh, his greatest quality is he makes, you know, Patty, you, you asked me about myself, right? But the, the, the thing is, is, you know, it all revolves, you know, around Jeff and how he makes every one of us better. Um, again, He's a guy that I'm sure, you know, he probably won't love me talking about him, but like he works out every single day, right? Like we had a practice last night, you know, he probably doesn't get home till 11 PM. We're flying, you know, just after lunch today, I already got a text. I already know he was in the gym this morning. Right. Um, and he does that, you know, 24, seven, 365. And, uh, that's how much he's committed to his craft. Um, so his consistency in his approach, how, you know, he kind of defines what it is to be a professional, um, is really, really, uh, something that uh, I think makes him so special. Are we seeing a little more of, uh, of an FU attitude to his game this year? Like, I feel like the, the celebrations are getting a little more passionate. He he's, he's going to the net even harder. Like, I just feel like, I mean, it's not like the guy needed anything else to his game, but now he's added a little bit of piss and vinegar. And it seems like, like it, it just, yeah. he, he keeps evolving. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, and I think the biggest thing, it's not that he wasn't last year or whatnot. It's just, I just think his leadership is to a next level. Um, yeah. How he's really, you know, you know, Damo's our captain and is a, is a fantastic leader. Um, and I know Jeff, myself, a lot like we learn from Damo. Um, especially on the offensive side of the ball, though, Jeff has become our guy. And, uh, you know, I think his leadership, right, he's he, he lets his play do the talking, um, you know, but when he has a input or something needs to be said, he'll say it now. Right. Um, but he always backs it up. And uh, his leadership has to me is, is what's really taken the next step this year. You mentioned leadership. Uh, obviously, Dan McCray retires, goes to the mammoth bench. Damo takes over with the captaincy. How has he handled that pressure in taking that CEO over and, and leading this group? I mean, Damo, again, like you, you don't necessarily need the C to be a leader. Like he, he's, he's kind of been in that position for a while now. Um, and obviously when Danny Mack moved on, I think it was just, you know, Damon was obviously the, 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 the clear choice and because he's been doing it for so long um again just a guy that has just such high character and uh does the right things especially when it's hard right I'm, I'm learning a lot you know um about a guy like damon and a guy like moose but you know like damo is a firefighter um he you know he's got a six-month-old child at home um, just trying to balance it all. Right. But again, never misses a workout, holding guys accountable. Um, never seen him eat something not clean. You know what I mean? So like, how can you not follow a guy like that? Um, and he's, he's just the ultimate captain to me. 
I can confirm that uh, hopping on the bench with you guys in St. Catharines, uh, we made a stop at McDonald's and everyone everyone hopped off to grab something. <laughs> Damon stayed on the bus. He's like, I'm not eating that. Nope, not yeah. doing it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, big game against Calgary this weekend. Uh, obviously, they they pose a lot of problems from you uh, at all facets of the game, but we really haven't quite seen maybe the potential from that, from these guys. Uh, what does the Riptide need to do to, to come home with a win and bring it back to Long Island? Yeah, I mean, they're a hell of a team, right? They're, they're, it's, it's a winning organization that, you know, finds a way. Um, so I think for us, the main thing does need to still be like play us, right? And playing our game and, and doing what we've been doing well. Um, but a team like that, that's really built from the back end out, um, I think the transition battle is going to be critical. So just us getting off the floor uh, and being smart, right? If you throw one at Del Bianco's belly pad late, it's up and out of the stick and they've got a breakaway and it's in the back of your net. So just, just being smart um, and being effective with our, you know, shooting plan um, and being kind of clock aware, just, just being a smart team, um, but continue to do what we do. Um, it, it'll be a good one. That's for sure. Uh, on that note, like you guys are a team that obviously likes to, to to swing the ball and and you know get into your offensive sets. But with that being said, how difficult is it sacrificing a little of that uh, that offense, knowing that you know you got to start leaking early to make sure that they don't burn you in transition? Yeah, you have to play smart because yeah, like you said, if if you don't, it's it's going to be a breakaway. It's going to be a two on one. So um, again, I still think there's a healthy balance of playing your game. Um, but just, again, just being smart, right? With late shot clock situations, if there's six on the clock or whatnot, right? You, you, you can't really be taking steps forward. You, you've got to turn and react. So, um, but again, if we're, if we're getting off the floor, getting on the floor and getting, you know, 22, 20 second possessions, that's still plenty of time for us to, to settle in and play our own. Um, so I, I think if we manage and play hard and do the little things, we'll, we'll be in a good spot. You guys are... Sorry, Pat. Oh, sorry, I just go ahead, want to no. follow up there. You know, you, you beat Buffalo in Buffalo. You beat Georgia at home. Now you're in Calgary. You've got San Diego, Toronto, Colorado, Albany. All this month, over the, like this is a murderer's row of games. How important is it just to not only keep the positivity, but just keep the momentum going? A, a loss may happen, um, but how important is it over this next month just to keep the wheels going forward? Yeah, it, it's so important, right? Because I think that's why we're finding success right now is, is just that momentum. And I, I do believe in momentum and uh, and that. But the parity in this league is is nuts, right? There's not really – there isn't any easy nights, right? There's not any games where you're like, oh, circling this one, we're going to – no, like that doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's There's too much talent. There's too many, you know, good coaches. It, it's, it's hard to win. So um, – that's like you said, that's what it's all about. I think is just playing hard, playing the right way um, and seeing where the results go. And I think if we do that with the talent we have and the group we have, we're, we're going to be in a good spot. But um, again, I, I think with the routine we're in, with our practicing and, and the structure we have, I, I, I love the spot we're in. All right. So Teddy and, and a lot of the other West Coast guys get sick and tired when I wax poetically about the beaches. So I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let you do it. I know it's a big, big year, big expectations. But uh, Willem Firth and Matt Collison, um, how good are they and, and where are their ceilings? Yeah, I get pretty uh, 
attached and, and biased towards guys that, you know, that I get the opportunity to work with and coach. But I do think those are the best two lacrosse players um, outside of the NLL right now. I think they could probably play in the NLL. That's how, you know, skilled and smart and ready they are. Um, we actually just named those two, you know, team captains. Willem's going to be the captain. Matt's going to be the assistant. Um, Willem is, uh, is a special, special talent. You know, I tell anyone who listen, I think his 2027 draft. Like if I was a GM, I'd be trying to load up on 27 first because that guy can change a team. Um, and what he's done for our organization has been, you know, um, pretty, pretty amazing. And, uh, I'm excited for him as well to, to take on that leadership role and continue to evolve. Um, but he's just someone who does it the right way. Um, he can shoot it from the outside. He can beat you inside. He can, you know, he can dice you up with his vision. Um, he's just so well-rounded and just a competitive winner. Um, and then Matt Collison, he's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a power forward that I, I don't think there's many pure goal scorers like him, right? His shot and then his ability to get to the net when he wants is uh, at, at times it's unstoppable, right? Like I would be on the bench and, he's going one on two, one on three. And it's like, Oh, what, what are we doing? But it, it, it he makes plays and, it, and it, yeah. it usually works out because he's just that much of a freak. Um, so I'm so lucky that, that we get the opportunity to coach him. And, and uh, yeah, Adam Le- Levi did a really neat piece. Like Boltham scored 50 goals last year. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you, and which is so rare. And usually if you do get two fifty goal scores, it's a righty and a lefty. So for them to both do it on the same side is, is uh, pretty spectacular. So I, I can't wait to see what, you know, they've got in store for this summer. Patty mentioned it. He, he hopped on the bench a couple times with you guys last year. What's Patty like uh, on the bench as a coach? He's awesome. You know, like uh, just so passionate and knowledgeable. Right. And I think that's what is the great thing about lacrosse is, you know, you just get to work with people who care and love the game. Right. And there's no, there's no ego involved. That's what I like about coaching. Right. Like in Toronto, we've got four head coaches, right. With Luke Magnan, Damon Edwards, Mike McKay, right. Patty's running the, the I heads and we have a great relationship. Um, and it's all just, Hey, let's just talk lacrosse. Right. And, uh, again, we had a meeting last week and we've got other jobs and other things going on, but it's like, we can keep sitting here and talking for three more hours because (laughs) we're, we're enjoying it and we're passionate about it. And, uh, it's that's what makes it so fun and special. ROC, this has been awesome, my man. Uh, obviously, a, a big business trip for you guys this weekend. I don't want you to be late for that team lunch in the airport, but who runs your guys' kangaroo court? Uh, Andrew Morgati. Andrew Morgati is uh, is in charge. And uh, again, you want to talk about a character? He's he's one of the best teammates I ever had. Um, again, just just such a great humor. Um, so reliable. Um, but, uh, Borgs is, is in charge. Who, who's, who gets the most fines, uh, successively? Oh God. It's, uh, it's hilarious. Puck wild. You know, he's joined, yeah. he's joined this, team this year and he's just been in seamlessly such a great guy an amazing personality. And it's just funny. Uh, so him and Connor go after each other week after week and they're both, they're both automatic maxes. They, 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 they cancel each other out. So it's nice. You know, we've got our, we're doing our team trip in Colorado a couple of weeks and uh, I feel good about it because there's a lot of money in the pot. Thanks to those two. What, what's the team trip? 
so we're just we play in Colorado, uh, Colorado on Friday night. So we're just going to stay uh, an extra day on on Saturday, yes. um, and and just have some fun together, be together, and then you know fly home Sunday morning. So we'll make the most of uh, Mile High State City. Dude, this was awesome. Uh, good luck this weekend. Like I said, we'll uh, we'll be in attendance watching from the stands before we call a TSM game on Saturday. But uh, safe travels. Thanks for your time and uh, continued success, man. It's awesome seeing yourself in the riptide starting to find some consistency. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thank you. E-transfers on the way, by by the way, for those, those nice words that you said about it. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal chat with Riley O'Connor. Just um, very forward thinking and uh you said it after we recorded um he's gonna make a great nll coach one day uh he's already shown it with the beaches um why do i think he was coaching at the hill is that right he was he was yeah. a few years ago but yeah. uh, he made so, made the switch over to beast he's now a partner with reed reed acton so kind of right. took a little bit of a uh you know a risk but i think a risk that's gonna pay off uh he did some great things with that Hill program as well. Don't get me wrong, but um, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to see where they take beast. Um, but more importantly, I'm, he still has so much left in the tank, Teddy, oh, yeah. but when, when all is said and done, yeah, he's going to be a fine, fine national lacrosse league coach. Heck, he could even probably go down to the States and take over a, a university program if he wanted to as well. Uh, seventh year in the league, just 30 years old. Um, the kid is uh, pure class. And, yeah, I think, you know, the Hill, the Hill Academy, um, what is it, uh, Aspen, Elevate, Elite, uh, the Claremont program out here, there are some incredible avenues for young men and women uh, to stay playing lacrosse at a high level, get an education, become the best you know, student athlete you can be. Uh, these programs are phenomenal. I think we need more of them. And I, I love the idea of Beast, um, just another, you know, really focusing not just on the lacrosse, but the mental aspect of things and, and allowing these kids to have the best, uh, brightest future possible. So great chatting uh, with Riley O'Connor. Again, they are in Calgary to take on the Roughnecks, and that's where we will start week 10. Friday night, Roughnecks, Riptide. Uh, we also get Halifax and Philadelphia, Vancouver at Georgia, but we were talking about Riley O'Connor and the Roughnecks. Um, this is a good test for them. You know, Calgary is a team that hasn't gotten off to the hottest of starts. Uh, talking with Josh Sanderson, you know, it's been a bit of a learning curve for him as a head coach uh, and just taking over a brand new team and, and talking with some of the players in the Roughnecks. You know, it's, it's a different voice and it's a different style of coaching between Shooter and Mouse. Both very passionate and intense men behind the bench. They always want the best, but it's going to take this Calgary team some time just to figure out the nuances of what the systems are that that new coaching staff is doing. So I'm really looking forward to this game, which should be a very, very high-paced, fast-paced matchup. I it's crazy to think that Calgary has only played five games so far. Yeah. They've only played one game at home. Um, and I think that's why we don't really know the identity of this group yet. Mm -hmm. um, 
Rilo O'Connor talked about it. They got they you know they have to be aware of the transition. But I think that's one thing that's kind of been lacking from this group is the transition. We are not seeing the Roughnecks kill teams in transition. It's just not happening this year, which is insane to me because that's the heartbeat. That's the pulse. Yeah. That's what's made this team a you know a championship level team over the past few years. You know the stat I want to give, right? That's the why stat, I was that absolutely blows my mind. I was doing prep for the game on Saturday. Obviously, stats will change from Friday to Saturday, but regardless, just looking at this roughneck squad, Zach Courier, the one of the most elite all-around players in the world, has zero goals. Zero, Patty. Five assists on the season, just four shots on net in five games. He usually gets three a game when he's at his at his peak. And mm-hmm. I, I talked with Josh, and we talked with Josh this week. I also talked with Zach a little bit, and I said, "You know what's going on? Are they are are you playing such a different defensive system that you're not getting your opportunities? Are they are teams taking you out of the play like?" Teams used to do with Joey Capito. They'd always try to get him low so he couldn't be that first guy breaking out. He said, you know what? I'm, I'm just not taking care of the ball and making right decisions in transition. And I think him understanding that and realizing that um, just goes to show that he's going to be fine. He's going to figure it out. You know, Shane Simpson has seven goals in transition to Zach zero. So they're still getting their numbers uh, running the floor, but they need Zach Courier to be better. Um, Christian Del Bianco only has, I think, three assists on the season. And that's kind of telling about how slow this team has gotten off to start the season. Yeah, and I, I mean, you, you got to assume teams are also putting it into their game plan to, to yes. be aware of the transition game. But at the same time, they did it last year too, and they still found a way – to, to kill teams. I think it's just a matter of fact. It's a it's a new defensive system. It's um, a team that hasn't played a ton, so it's tough to get into a flow. But with all that being said, Teddy, you know how this game works. Friday will be – Friday will, Courier will put up three and ruin all your <laughs> game notes uh, leading into the next game. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the matchup of – Jesse King versus Jeff T, two of the elite passers in our game. Uh, we've got Tyler Pace. Uh, it is just the 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 numbers matchups, the personnel matchups. You know, Delb, uh, an established young-ish goaltender, Nash Crossley going up against um, Cam Dunkerley. Laddie versus Shooter, two guys that that go way back in their lacrosse careers. So uh, a great way to end the Friday night games, but to start the Friday night games, I know a game you'll be watching very closely, Halifax at Philadelphia, uh, the return match of that classic overtime game from earlier in the season. Uh, This is going to be a dandy. Every time these two teams play, it's always a, always a great game. There's, you know, it's not, it's definitely not a historic rivalry by any stretch of the imagination, but it just seems that because, you know, the frequency of the times that they've played each other over these years, they have just built some bad blood. Halifax knows, you know, what happened last game. They played a, a damn good 
game for about three quarters and then just let the foot off the gas. Um, and it was Philadelphia who ended up coming away with a win inside their building. They want to return the favor. They also recognize and realize that, you know, a loss here could put a major, major dent into their playoff lives and their playoff chances because then they'll hand Philadelphia a head-to-head tiebreaker, which is massive. So they also know, okay, we lost by one. We got to win. Um, and we got to win by more more than than two goals, which would be ideal to to ensure that there's no um, that we for sure get that you yeah. know the head high uh, the tiebreaker I should say because um, you don't want to leave anything else up up to chance you, you you've ran through the tiebreakers before uh, they're pretty crazy so take care of business win win convincingly and then you don't have to worry about that hurting you down the stretch. Obviously, the standings, you know, are what they are, but they kind of have a little cloudiness to them until everybody plays everybody at the end of the year. But currently, Philadelphia is sitting in 13th out of 15 in the National Cross League. And this was a team that we thought had an MVP candidate in Mitch Jones, a goal of the year candidate in Zach Higgins, and a team that could really push for the playoffs. They got to start to turn things around, sitting at two and four. Uh, they're going to need to really show some metal at home. In Philadelphia, the other game on Friday, a rematch of a week two game. The Warriors make the long trip down to the heart of Georgia to gas out the arena to take on the swarm. Two teams kind of go in the wrong direction right here. Something's got to give. It's a huge game. Uh, implications in the standings. You already talked about the head to head. You know, if if Georgia hands a head to head to Vancouver, the you know again the chances of Vancouver getting back into it, but. Man, both these teams need a win badly. They need to turn things around. And uh, again, I think Georgia recognizes that, you know, it was a tough travel schedule for them to get out all the way to Vancouver. I think the same same thing can be said about Vancouver having, yeah. having to head to Georgia. So, um, again, I, I'm expecting a much better effort from Georgia than what we saw the last time these two teams played. Uh, but I again, I just the way that their head coach and general manager spoke after the game to the media. Never mind what was said in the locker room. What never mind that's been said at practice this week. There is there is just no way Vancouver. They might lose. Don't get me wrong, but there is no way they can come out flat on Friday. It just oh. cannot happen. It can't happen. And if it does. There are major, major problems in that locker room and something will change. Something will have to change. But I I know the character in that locker room for the most part. I know that they will go to battle for their coach. There is no way, no, no way that they can't. Kyle Killen has the shortest travel of his entire season uh, down in Georgia. But, you know, you talk about the travel for those Georgia guys to Vancouver. A majority of those guys are based out of Ontario. So it's not that long of a trip, four hour, four and a half hour flight, but 95% of the Vancouver roster are in Vancouver. That is going mm-hmm. to be a very long travel day for the Vancouver Warriors who are probably in the air or if not in Georgia already right now as we record this on Thursday. I, I know we talked about it earlier and this isn't all on the goaltender. It's not on Aaron Gould. But does Kurt Miloski have to try and see, you know, what Aiden Walsh is like as a starter? 
Is there any idea of, you know, we can bring in Connor O'Toole? He hasn't been around much for the games that I've seen out in Vancouver, but there, there's not much really out there to get. We continually talk, talk, harp on this, but he has to see what he has. There's certainly no doubt about that. I, I think it's very apparent just hearing the way him talk about O'Toole. That's their guy for the future. Um, but he's a young guy. He is yeah. a young kid. He still has a lot, uh, a lot to go. Aiden Walsh, drafted by Georgia, has some history there. Do you give him the start? Uh, prove to, to Georgia that they made a mistake releasing him. You also, like you said, get a chance to see if you've what you've got in Walsh. Um, I don't know. It, it's a decision that I'm glad I don't need to make. Yeah. And you're right. There, there really is not much out there unless you make a really significant trade, which I just don't think is in the cards for, for Vancouver right now to, to give up any draft capital or give up some young talent. They need that for the future as much as they want to win right now. They want to win for the future as well. So a really, really tough spot for Miloski and, and this coaching staff to decide who you go with. Saturday night, uh, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Las Vegas at Albany. They played each other earlier in the season in Vegas. Uh, Albany looking to get back on the horse. Vegas just looking to have sort of any sort of life. Um, and much like you talked about with the Vancouver team, there's no way that Vancouver can start slow. You know they're going to do everything they can for their coach. If not, there's a whole lot of issues. Same thing with Vegas and that player group playing for Sean Williams, you know that Willie is going to have his team as prepared as possible. It's about how well does this group absorb the message? How much do they allow that shit kicking to sting and fester and bring some much needed effort and energy and life into Albany? They have to come out maybe literally, but figuratively punching and mm-hmm. punching people in the face right off the face off. I'm really looking forward to this game. I know on paper it's not exactly the sexiest, but you're, you got two teams coming off of losses, a big loss scoreboard-wise from Vegas. But uh, Albany, they they faced their first loss, they and they get embarrassed. You know, I think the Seals really gave it to them. Mm-hmm. You know, they only score seven. Um, you know, Jameson, he was he was pulled. I don't know if we ever found out. Was it just you know his night was done? Is he injured? Is he banged up? He's not on the PR, so. Uh, you know, or sorry, the IR, you, you imagine he's going to be back and you imagine he's going to want a bounce back game. Uh, Simmons only had one goal on 15 shots. Mm-hmm. Um, Hurts, two points. This is the first little bit of adversity this group has played. They've had a full week to sit on it, to stew on it, to think about what happened. And I, I really think we'll see some of this character in this Albany team. If you know, if, if if it's a lackluster performance, maybe it's like ah, just a young team that start off hot. Maybe they're not quite there. If they can come out here and give it to Vegas, I think then you can start saying, all right, that start of the year was not a fluke. This mm-hmm. team is ahead of schedule and they're here. They're legit. The Rochester Nighthawks have lost three straight they take on the Buffalo Bandits in Banditland this weekend. Uh, this is a tough task for a team that started off 3-0. Uh, they haven't looked the same since since Hutch has been their full-time starter. Again, no fault of his. Ryland Hartley was their number one. He's been hurt. There's no 
real signs of a timeline for him to return. But going into Bandaland against the Buffalo team that is really outside of San Diego and Toronto and Albany, like the hottest team in the NLL right now, they're playing like the champions that we saw last year. Everybody's contributing uh, a real tough spot for the Rochester Nighthawks on the road. Yeah, Rochester, you know, talking to Dan Carey after after the game, he felt like that first half, that first quarter might have been the worst quarter that they played. He just didn't like the compete. He didn't like, um, you know, the way that they played. And and I, I think, again, we're talking, it's a lot of the similar themes. I, I think Rochester knows that. I think that they know that they got to get to the middle of the floor, especially to, to, to score against this Buffalo team. There's a lot of chatter about oh how this Rochester this new Rochester team plays really well against Buffalo. They've only beat them the one time. Uh, <laughs> Buffalo has their number. Like, yeah. Buffalo has their number, and that pisses Rochester off. They are going to be hungry. They are going to want to come out with a win here. It's a tough environment, but it's an environment that I think they're going to embrace. On the flip side, Buffalo, you haven't been able to string together two solid outings in a row. Can this be the game? Can you get it done? Interesting to see if if they finally if that game against Toronto was them getting over the hump and them them finding their stride again though uh, streaky streaky you still almost let Toronto back into the game they're not going to be pleased about that but again two pissed off teams going toe to toe and I know Buffalo is probably feeling a little bit better than about themselves getting a win but at the same time I think they still did not love the way that game finished. Panther City at Saskatchewan. The Rush had that big, long break after the Philadelphia game was canceled, so they've really only played once since the start of the new year. So that's not a lot of lacrosse. And the one game they did play was an an 11-9 loss to Vancouver. This is a massive stretch. They've got Panther City, Vancouver, Halifax, Colorado into the start of March. Can we see this new... Well, not new, but this up-and-coming Saskatchewan team kind of figured out. They relieved Bruce Alexander, uh, OC, uh, of his duties. Rumor is Derek Keenan will be on the bench for the rush. So I don't know if he – obviously, he's not happy with what's going on. And to to pull Jammer away from his fishing boat uh, and the life up by the the cottage, uh, he obviously is very upset with how things are going. Does that put pressure on Jimmy Quinlan? I think it has to. I think it absolutely has to. This is a situation where, you know, Jimmy saw before um, where Keenan thought he he could could trust Bubba in, in, in the head coaching spot. It didn't go the way that they envisioned. And, and you know, he ends up getting let go and Keenan pops on the bench. And, and then that's where Quinlan got an opportunity mm-hmm. to be the co-head coach. And then Quinlan, you know, gets an opportunity to become a solo head coach. Now it seems like it's a little bit of a co-head coach situation again. He's got to feel the heat. He's got to feel his his leash is getting a little bit tighter. Um, you know, the boss is looking over your shoulder. It's yeah. it's 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 a, a tense situation, but I think it's it's an opportunity here for the rush to start fresh. I know you're one and four, but. It's an opportunity to kind of restart your season, get back on track. Um, there were a lot of great things I think they could hang their hat on. I think Zach Mann's had a really strong start to the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, Robert Church is always going to be Robert Church. 
there's just a few guys uh, out the front door. I think Dodds and Walter are two guys that they expected bigger things out of, and they have not come out the way that they thought they were going to come this year. Uh, One last thought on, on Bruce Alexander. I've known him for a long, long, long time. Went to college together. He grew up. The playing lacrosse with my brother in multiple spots. So I've known him a long time. I've never known him to be a very vocal person. He's very quiet, mild-mannered, um, very professional, goes about his business the right way, plays the game the right way. He didn't really have any coaching experience. He, he wanted to get to the NLL. He didn't have any experience. Um, so he got on the Victoria Shamrock Senior A crew, uh, he was the eye in the sky for the first half of the season. Simmer brought him down to the bench for the second half of the season. So that, like, he really only had half a year of senior A coaching experience before he got this job. To me, he looked like a fish out of water at times. Watching games, seeing how his body posture and body language was he didn't seem to be a very vocal voice on the bench. He wasn't the guy drawing up plays at the end of a quarter or really orchestrating the power play. It was often Jimmy Quinlan or it was often Ryan Keenan kind of being that one voice. I don't want to say he got a bit of a raw deal. I just don't think he was ready for that environment and that atmosphere yet. I think give him some time. If he wants to keep coaching senior A, give him some time to really create a portfolio of himself as an OC and let him kind of design his own coaching style. And then he may get a new shot. I just don't think he was ready for it. I don't really think he fit in um, with, with the group and the coaching staff. Again, we're obviously not there behind closed doors and with the team as much as, as Cody Jansen is. But I just think that he wasn't ready for the moment. He will get another shot. I believe if he wants it, but I thought he was kind of rushed into the position, pardon the pun. Um, but Derek Keenan is now probably going to be back on that bench overseeing a lot of things. So big changes in Rushland. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, final two games of week 10 and on Saturday, probably my two favorite matchups of the weekend. Obviously the TSN game with Brad Chantel and myself, Toronto at Calgary. Uh, We've talked a lot about those two teams already, but Colorado at San Diego, uh, one of the best rivalries in the National Crossing, although very young, there is some long lasting bad blood between these two franchises. And this is going to be a heck of a lacrosse game, especially, you know, San Diego on a heater right now. We talked about O-Rig, Colorado coming off an impressive victory. Now they go on the road to San Diego for another road game. This is going to be road game number two of four straight. Um, this is going to be a slobber knocker. It's going to be great, but Teddy, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is a Sunday. I think this is a Sunday. Is it? Oh, it is a Sunday. You're it so is. Right, it is, and you're not going to miss it because it is a Sunday game. So you're going to have the chance to to watch it. So is I think it a Sunday six, night though? It's a 6 p.m. Eastern start, so three o'clock. I don't know what you're. I think I'm back in time. I think it's only a quick flight from from Cowtown, so I'll definitely back. Yes, Sunday. I love that. It's it's gonna be a great game, and and you talk about the rivalry. Um, I think I think last time we talked about it, San Diego's got the better of Colorado in the regular season, but it's Colorado who's got the better of them in the playoffs. Um, 
Colorado, they got to build off here. They, they, we've, they, we've seen them with a couple of big games here and there. They haven't been able to string a couple in a row. Um, but San Diego, man, they are just built different this year. There just is something different about this Seals team. It seems more businesslike. It seems like they just, from top to bottom, maybe they're not as electric offensively as they've been in years past, but I like the way the defense is playing. I love the way that young Chris Origlieri is playing. And they just feel like it feels like they know um, that window is closing. And if they don't get it done this year, maybe they'll never be able to get it done. I cannot wait. Week 10 in the National Crossing. We're almost at the halfway point. But as we mentioned, uh, only Saskatchewan hasn't played a third of their schedule. They will play their sixth game this weekend at home versus Panther City. Time now for our NLL jersey journey uh, where we find a mystery player, uh, list off their career stops, and the other person tries to figure out who it is. You can play along as well. So, Pat, who is this player? Started their career with five years in Toronto. Go to New England for a year. Vancouver for two years. San Diego for a year, and then ends their career with the Buffalo Bandits. Garrett Billings. I hate you. <laughs> I thought I found a good one. You did find a good one. You really did. But what was the tipper? Here, here's what you got to remember. We just at the start of the show we talked about how I, I, how many. Toronto Rock games. I oh, saw yeah, right. As a young lad. <laughs> they even had like a, a super easy hint for you. It was going to be who and was then, the first player to score three straight 100 point seasons. Oh, uh, well, I, for me, it was Toronto. And then I looked at the months on New England, Vancouver. And then the if clear indication for me was one with San Diego and one with Buffalo because. You are right. I think a lot of people forget that he had that short stint at the end of his career with Buffalo. Like, yeah. It kind of feels like a fever dream, to be quite honest. But um, Yeah, he only played yeah. eight games that year. I got lucky with that one, Teddy. I got lucky with that one. Brutal. Brutal. All right, well, I lost. Uh, we didn't have a parlay last week uh, that we announced, uh, but there was a parlay out put out uh, by our friends at Coolbet. Let's try to reset and have a winning weekend. Time now for Box Bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> okay, Patty, Box Bets time. Uh, we're not Super Bowl weekend, so we've got uh, all the focus on the National Lacrosse League. What have we got for the peoples this week. Well, we've got a, a dandy. We went, I don't want to say easy, because sports betting, especially National Lacrosse League betting, is not easy. But we kept it simple for the folks to understand. We just looked at the board, looked at Saturday and Sunday slate, because we don't want the Friday game. We want people to get more opportunities to get their bets in. So kept it easy. Firewolves, Bandits, Rock, and Seals, all to win at plus 350. Albany, these are the uh, Saturday-Sunday games. Albany over Vegas. Yeah, I can see it. Toronto over Calgary. 
going to be a tough one. Buffalo over Ross should be a win. And San Diego, Colorado, another tough one. Uh, I like it. I'm going to definitely be sweating. But uh, if you want to ride the favorites, head over to CoolBet. Log in. Enter your information. Use that features tab. Ours will be there. The last class boys will be there. The lock shop parlay will be there. Um, and if it's your first time, when you sign in, go down below. There's that green little tab. Promo code, put an OTCB, and the cool betters will match your first deposit up to $200. And you can have yourself a little fun with some extra money. Thanks to CoolBet. Uh, we mentioned it's not Super Bowl weekend, but obviously, Patty, um, some big numbers starting to come in already. Oh yes, we've uh, we have seen a lot of heat come in on the Kansas City Chiefs side. Seventy-one percent of the money, the turnover, the handle, whatever you want to call it, the the important stuff, the green stuff. Uh, is coming in on the Kansas City Chiefs on the money line. Right now it's at plus 113. We've seen a lot of movement, man. Uh, 29% of the handle is on the 49ers um, and a good chunk of the tickets, as expected with that as well, is on the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe. Let's just look here quickly. Um only 25% of the so 29% of the money but 25% of the uh, tickets right are on the 49ers 75% of the chiefs so a lot of people are not in any sort of rush to fade Patrick Mahomes and for good reason yeah um what are the odds that uh T Swizzle makes the 13-hour plane ride from Japan to Las Vegas to go to her 13th Chiefs game of the year for Super Bowl, Super Bowl 49, which is also 13. Um, what are the odds she's going to make it? I don't even it's know if we have. Bet, right? We got to have. I, we, we don't have odds because I think she's confirmed that she's she's going to make it. I think the, oh, the odds please. would be like minus 1,000. So. <laughs> Um, you need a maybe even, the floor up. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yeah, no, a lot, a lot out there already um, from, you know, the, the usual stuff, Super Bowl MVP, what position will the MVP play? Um, all your usual passing props, rushing props, who will score, who will have the longest prop uh, or sorry, longest rush. Right. Well, the longest pass, the catch, also color. And then the crazy stuff, like the <laughs> color of the Gatorade, the coin flip, how long the anthem will be. Um, so will there be a word omitted from the American yeah. national anthem? You name it, it'll be there at Cool Bet. And as I'm looking through here, more has been added. It's like daily, our guys are matting, adding more and more and more. I still remember... The Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl, where the first score was a safety. Oh, yes. And it just sent the bar going crazy. <laughs> I, I lost my mind because that was the start of a terrible, terrible day. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, those guys who bet the, the first score would be a safety were just absolutely loving life. 
Oh yeah, I, I I can only imagine what the odds were for that. Uh, I'm sure we <laughs> could find out this year, but I I guarantee you they're not as big of odds as they once were because of that situation. Just yeah, yeah. absolute madness. Uh, all right, that's our our OTC big parlay cool bets. Uh, again, as we always say, stay cool, bet responsibly. A busy week in the National Cross League. Uh, I will be on the road. Patty will be firmly planted on his couch. Uh, he's going to watch some documentaries. I'm not recommending anymore, even though I did. I honestly <laughs> watched the rugby, the Six Nations full contact one. The NASCAR one's okay, but there's a new sir, um, full swing doc, uh, season two. Need for Speed's coming out, or Drive to Survive is coming out with another season. So, uh, tons of stuff to keep you busy when you're not watching lacrosse games. Thanks to Riley O'Connor for stopping by this week. Uh, check out Beast Athletics. They do great stuff out there in Ontario. Uh, good luck to him and safe travels as always. He's at Pete Griggy on Twitter. I'm at Teddy Jenner. You can find the show at OTCB underscore podcast or on Instagram at OTCB Podcast. We're just a few weeks away from the first unboxed game in Montreal. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. Next week, we'll also wrap up Week 10 in the National Crossing. Enjoy the games this weekend. If you go to a game, take a friend. If you take a friend, take two. And if you do, buy them a beer. Lacrosse, beer, the NLL, and is the best trifecta possible. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other.